Hey, would you like us to read a story of your choosing? Well, you're in luck. Head on over to superhumanregistrationpodcast.com and fill out the web form at the Contact Us link. If you submit a story there that is available to read on Marvel Unlimited, we will consider it for a future episode of the show. The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. sound like you're in an empty wooden room. Guess what? I'm basically in an empty wooden room. I'm in, like, I'm not in my ideal setup right now. First mm-hmm. of all, my microphone is actually shot, so I need to get a new microphone. Oh. Again? Yep. Well, I've only got the one, and it just didn't last oh. very long. Oh, okay. So right now, what's happening is I've got three devices that I'm recording, that I'm using to record. I've got my phone, which has the comics downloaded on it, so I'm reading those off my comic, or off of the phone. I'm recording on my iPad Pro, and I'm using my old iPad Mini for the messenger call, but my iPad Mini doesn't really, like, the internet connection's not very good, so my iPad Mini is, is on my cell phone uh, hotspot in order to connect to the internet so I can be on the call. So this is a very high-tech arrangement for what is really not that complicated a scenario. Sure, sure. Yeah. And that's the way we're working today. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. Thank you, Aldo. And now let's go to John for sports. Well, you see, the Cubs are currently losing to the... Oh, crap, I don't know. They might have lost already to the to Miami. <laughs> they were tied at the fifth inning. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we're not talking about... Uh, they are tied still. Bottom of the eighth. Oh. One out. Two, two, By pitch. the time this episode goes up, nobody's <laughs> gonna know what you're, what game you're talking about. Uh, we are uh, recording this uh, several weeks in advance of when it's going up because we are anticipating uh, some very fortunate and lovely life changes for at least one member of the podcast. That's right. Aldo is with child. Mm-hmm. Whose child it is, we don't know. If you are missing a child, please contact <laughs> I, I am with child. I'm not used to it. Uh, if you would like to pick it up, I will bring it to you in a duffel bag at midnight. <laughs> I keep feeding it Nutella and it won't shut up. <laughs> He's got a straw. He can breathe out of the bag. Calm down, everyone. Welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast, a show where we absolutely do not kidnap children. <laughs> now, see, the way you say that, Stephen, it makes it sound like we do. What do you mean? I said we don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much more clear I can be than to say we do not ki- kidnap children, force feed them Nutella, and stuff them into paper bags with straws. We don't do that. I don't know why you would think that we do. Aldo, it's like you can hear the wink. As he's speaking, can you hear it? Is it just me? I'm just saying, it's not like a royal we. It's more like a general we. <laughs> Generally speaking, we do not kidnap children and stuff them into paper bags. Generally speaking, I don't ask for a ransom either, but let's go ahead with the podcast. All right, so 
My name is Steven, and I've got Aldo and John on the line with me, and we are here to talk about some Marvel comics. You guys excited yeah. for this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is, yeah. is going to be an interesting episode, because we are reading a bunch of, like, I mean, we just had the Avengers, and so we had this, you know, huge event that everybody kind of has some sort of connection to. And today we're reading New Warriors and Karnak, a bunch of characters nobody's really heard of. This is a niche instead of a niche. This is like, I don't even know what to compare this to. Like if you baked a quiche and then you made another quiche and you put this one in there. We have a veritable nesting doll of quiches. So, all right, we're going to start by talking about Karnak. Karnak is a 2015 miniseries written by one Warren Ellis. I don't know if you guys have read a lot of Warren Ellis. I'm I'm a little bit familiar with him. Uh, we've got a lot of different artists, I think, on this. Uh, issue one has art by... Uh, it's Gerardo's, if you know. All the covers are David Aha, which... All oh. the covers are by David Aha, and they're amazing. We've got uh, Gerardo, or... Is it Gerardo or Gerardo? Gerardo. Just just say just say Gerardo. It's please. yeah. Uh, until <laughs> it's all, all just like you don't you don't know what you're doing. Gerardo <laughs> Zafina and uh, we've got guest creator guest art by or supporting art rather by Antonio Fuso all throughout the book. So oh and geez, issue five it looks like has a different artist too. Yeah, Roland Boschi or Boschi. Yeah, so a lot of different artists. Karnak the character is a member of the Inhumans. Got their start in the Fantastic Four books. They are this offshoot of humanity that were like genetically engineered by the Kree. Their backstory is, is insanely complicated. Anyway, Inhumans get special abilities when they are exposed to the Terrigen Mists. We've come across this in previous books. Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, was a secret Inhuman, got exposed to the Mists, became Ms. Marvel. Karnak is an inhuman who was never exposed to the Terrigen Mists, but he was still specially trained to see the flaw in, in any given thing, and he has these crazy martial arts powers that just come from, like, intense training. So he can see your weakness and exploit it no matter what it is, and that's kind of his whole deal. It, it kind of also seems that maybe he's a little gifted at it, from, like, it's kind of implied with his little baby pushing That's, the blocks. Yeah. Like, like, maybe it's some sort of inborn ability. Yeah. It's kind of implied, yeah. Karnak is enlisted by Agent Coulson from S.H.I.E.L.D. in order to rescue this boy who was kidnapped by uh, terrorists. It's an offshoot of AIM, Advanced Idea Mechanics. It's, it's one of the Marvel terrorist groups, kind of like Hydra. The boy is an inhuman, but as far as his parents know, he doesn't actually have any powers. Turns out the boy actually does have powers. He basically has the ability to give you whatever you want, and he uses those powers to basically form a religion around himself. With this terrorist group, Karnak knows what's up. He's going to bring the boy back to his parents no matter what it takes. Doesn't care if the boy wants to come back or not. This is the job he was hired to do. He's going to do it. He seriously injures... Just scores of people, yeah. kills a couple, uh, in one particularly graphic scene, he's interrogating a man who has, like, a bomb strapped to him or, or hidden inside him, and when he touches the guy, the man explodes and, and plasters the inside of the interrogation room with his guts. 
at the end, Karnak brings the boy back to his parents, but he's crippled the boy, so not only can he not use his powers, but he's basically just completely dependent on other people at this point. And he calls that a job well done, and then he goes on his merry way. Well, I say merry. Karnak is, like, the least merry individual. If he smiles at you, it's an insult. Like, I mean, and, and he's also just had like a pretty big like crisis of faith, you could call it. Yeah, yeah, you, that's a really good way of putting it. This is I, a very philosophical book, and I think you underplayed the part where he, I don't know, vegetableized a, a man because he did it. I mean, he he hit him once to like block his power, and then a second one like out of anger. That oh, actually, yeah. like, vegetized them. Yeah, so this this kid that he's been sent to, to quote-unquote, rescue, he, like, hits him twice. The one time, like, Aldo says, completely blocks his ability to access his inhuman power. But the second time is just, like, needlessly cruel. It, it completely incapacitates him. I didn't mean to just gloss over it. You're right, it's really kind of horrifying. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Karnak's our hero. What did we think of this book? Loved it. Um, he is, he is the hero. He is not a nice guy. He is barely a good guy. (laughs) Like it was, it was really cool. I, I actually like stopped, um, and during the second issue to like make notes, loved the art throughout. And I realized that the last issue I hadn't noticed was drawn by another artist because I was so into the, like the story at that point. I really loved that whole interrogation scene. Um, but I wanted to point out um, issue two, pages thirteen and fourteen, just a really cool fight scene, and it shows you know his skill in action because um, I I knew absolutely nothing about Karnak. Um, uh, the name was vaguely familiar. Um, I don't really read in humans, and um, if they were all like this, then you know, no question I would do that. But we just get <laughs> we get a series of panels of. Like most of this, like most of this um, issue, like there are several pages in a row where there's no dialogue; it's just action, and mm-hmm. just uh, just the visuals. And then we get thirteen and fourteen showing his powers, how you know a man takes a shot at him and he kicks a piece of rock just right that you know neutralizes the shot and sticks in the man's face, you know, right in his uh, right in his eye here. Yeah, and then he finishes them off. Just really well done. Um, I love the covers. I think that the style overall throughout makes you know great use of light. It's it's darker in tone, and the kind of the loose sketchy style um, conveys that tone as well as the, their use of light, where it's it's mostly like shadowy and grim and everything. But in yeah. like you know, I, I feel like anytime anything is like shadowy and dark, I have to be like, but but not like DC has decided to do with uh, movies. It, it, it's good. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> think think Dark Knight the first time you saw it, not like everything that came after. I think it's interesting how, you know, we've got three or four different artists that are working on this book, and yet the art manages to be, I think at least, consistently good throughout yeah. and of a similar style. Mm-hmm. You can tell if you're paying attention that the art shifts, that you've got different creators working on it. But the style is still pretty, I, I would say at least, quality the entire way through. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think this design for Karnak is really good. Like, if you haven't done this yet, do a Google image search for Karnak and see what pops up. <laughs> well, I see the temple complex of ancient Egypt. Well, yes, of course. Karnak Marvel. Um... Yeah, okay. <laughs> do a Google search for Karnak Marvel. I, I did what you demanded. 
<laughs> oh, he was in the Inhuman show. Oh, yeah, Ken Leong, I believe. I like that actor. Um, I oh, heard man. only bad things about the show, but yeah, the old <laughs> the old design. That is a brainy looking dude. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're talking. We're talking. You know, early Fantastic Four. Pretty sure this is a Jack Kirby design again. Mm-hmm. But he he you know is wearing this kind of like green and white onesie with a loincloth and a big old green helmet. Like green helmet that in old school comics clearly symbolizes like ah, I'm the brain, I am the intelligent one. Like you know, you expect him to have some kind of like you know base that's going to take over a city that you know I have outsmarted all the heroes, but he's he's one of the good guys, right? And you take you take that design and then. It turns into this, you know, guy with the goatee and a green hoodie. He looks... He's, uh, uh, he's got the bandages on his hands. It's very LL Cool J. Mama said, knock you out. He's a monk. And yeah, he's like, a monk. Every time, like... Uh, maybe it's just because I've been into D&D more and I've become more of a nerd. But, like, the stuff that he can <laughs> do is straight up 5th edi- edition monk. You know, like... Yep. Knowing, like, one of the things you can do is you hit somebody hard enough and then the right spot, and you can find out their weaknesses. That's his whole thing. So, probably this, you know, this character would have inspired that as instead of the other way around. But, um, a lot of links there. Either that, or they're both inspired by actual monks who really can do this, this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I know nothing about martial arts. That wasn't in <laughs> Karate Kid. So. Uh, really impressed. I liked uh, issue three. I know I'm jumping all around here. Um, issue three, there was just a cool helicarrier image when like they're being transported up to it. Um, not the time that he says like the cars with the little peanuts. <laughs> like he's trying to describe a plane, which I, I was kind of hard to believe that I was like, okay, come on, this is like he knows what a plane is. But um, I did like Satan was just a story. I am Karnak. <laughs> that was pretty rad. That line, that freaking line. Ugh. That line is so good. And also, Adam Roderick's shirt, uh, Charlie Don't Surf. Is that a reference? I mean, it's it's Charles Xavier's face, right? Did you notice that? Like, right when he pops yeah. up for the first time? Is that also a reference to Apocalypse Now? Charlie Don't Surf is a song by The Clash. You do a Google search for it, and you get the scene from Apocalypse Now. So, yeah. Yes! Well done. Cool. That is what um, absorbing random bits of useless trivia from pop culture will do. You slightly know a little bit about other <laughs> pop culture. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I, I think this is a cool character. I don't know if you know he's always this cool in other inc- incantations, but this was a uh, cool way to tell this character's story. Um, you know, this particular mission. I, I don't watch Agents of Shield, but having um, Coulson and Fitz like Fitzsimmons or Simmons in the mix there was like a nice little nod to them. But if you don't care about that show, it kind of bugged me. But I was also like, it's not hurting anything, so never mind. Yeah, I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I liked it. I, th- I think the art was really good. It was really consistent. Mm-hmm. I think for me, when I noticed it was a different artist, was in how well some of the fight scenes were conveyed. Because I think it was the first couple of issues, I could not follow the action all that well. Mm. Like, I had to take a step back. You definitely have to slow down on those first issues. I, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But the later issues, I felt, didn't quite have that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is a little cleaner in later ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, But, I, I mean, like particularly like issue six, you know. But I, I liked the kind of messier style. You know, I was more immersed in it, I think. It was harder to read, but it was it was kind of like 
cooler to look at. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really dug it. I, I'm particularly fond of the sequence where he talks to the painter. Yes, um, that interrogation. And, and here's the thing. this I, I'm kind of not a big fan of this book. Um, kind of because of how it ends. Like, I do not like Karnak. Like, I, <laughs> I did not come into this book being on Karnak's side or liking Karnak. And I feel like that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how you're supposed to watch Rick and Morty and not really root for Rick. <laughs> you, you yeah. Kind of, yeah, and that's kind of how I feel about this, because Karnak is one of those people I hate. He's a he's a freaking nihilist. He's like, we don't matter. Look, I, I, uh, like he ticked he ticked me off from the first issue when he leaves his tower and he turns around to his pupils and he's like, think about the stones, think about how once we die, those stones don't care. And they will outlive you, and everything in the galaxy will outlive you, and nothing we do matters. So think about those freaking rocks. And it's like... What about when he talks to the um, waitress, though? When he says that she does matter, when he's talking about the world. I'm going to be honest. There, I, I like Warren Ellis, like, yeah. in, in theory. I've only really read, I think... I know he's done a bunch, but I've only really read two books of his, and they're, like, lower-tier Warren Ellis books. This and his Moon Knight story. That's all I've mm. read of his. But I like them both. Yeah. When Warren Ellis has gotten philosophical in these stories, I kind of lose track of what's going on. That conversation with the waitress, I could not follow for the life of me. <laughs> and I consider myself to be a smart guy. I could kind of follow it, but it kind of felt like he was almost patronizing her. Oh, yeah. So maybe I... So I, I feel like he wasn't necessarily telling her that stuff to be nice. I think he was just... Continuing to be kind of a jerk. No, he's a jerk to everybody, but he also, I think, in a way, was like, you know, I don't know. He was... I think you're trying to redeem him, and you're not, no. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to see what's really there. Like, I oh, okay. don't, right. he is a nihilist. He is a jerk to everybody. But yeah. I think, like, this one thing that he did, you know. I don't know. I, I, I don't, it, it, I don't know. I didn't get the same read off of it as you did, probably. Um. Mm. But then, like, also, you know, at the end when he's really challenged, especially by the painter. Mm-hmm. And I love that sequence. I yeah. love when they kind of go in their heads and he's painting the stuff and it's changing around him. And they're watching and, and saying, what's going on in there? And you realize, oh, none of this is happening out, like, for everyone to see. It's all yeah. in their heads. That was cool. And I love when he's like, you see the flaws and everything, you know, find my flaws. I have a ton of them. And then just kind of breaks down Karnak, essentially. Yeah. And that's kind of when he becomes even more unlikable. Because I I didn't read or I didn't notice the the bomb. To me, it totally felt like Karnak punched him to explode. Yeah, I, I think that he said there was a bomb. I don't know if it does it show a bomb at any point. I'm looking at it now. I, I, okay, so yeah, on issue 5, page 23, we get this image of Karnak stepping out from the interrogation room. Mm -hmm. And he says, the man was an improvised explosive device, a human landmine left to destroy us. And the expression on his face is like, uh, like I read it as shocked. And so I read that as 100% like real, that the man had a bomb. Now that you guys say this, I'm not so sure. It's almost like he's guilty and he's coming up with an excuse. Well, well like when you yeah. look at the page, when you look at the page before that, that man isn't like exploding from an explosive. No, he's, he's getting karate chopped in half from that yeah. punch. Yeah. Now, like, yeah, like he paints that room with his blood. Like it is everywhere, and like Karnak, like 
is so having a moment. The painter becomes the painted. Ha ha ha! And and kind of and and not to say that you're not necessarily like right or that you're wrong. I do think he's shocked not at the explosion, but that he's allowed himself to lose control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so, it does reflect back to that earlier panel at the bottom of page uh, uh, twenty there. Where he's seeing his reflection, you know, from early, yeah. earlier oh, yeah, in the yeah. comic. Yeah. So, I'm going to say something here, and I hope this doesn't come across as offensive, but it might come across as offensive to somebody. And I, I apologize if Buckle it does. Buckle up, everyone. So, to me, when I've read Karnak, this is actually my second time reading the story. When I read Karnak, Karnak, I, like, reminds me of a particular type of atheist. <laughs> like, not necessarily, like, if, if you are an atheist... That's that. This doesn't necessarily apply to you, but there's a certain like subset of people that I see mainly like in online videos that think that because they are atheists, they are better than everyone, and they spend a lot of time trying to flaunt their knowledge of the universe to other people and and kind of tear them down for believing in in religion or or whatever. And so, like, Karnak reminds me, and I guess, I guess this doesn't even necessarily need to be atheist, Karnak reminds me of the online troll who is so smug and superior that they know everything, and anything that you say or do is inadequate compared to what they can do. He's the Rick fan telling you that you don't have a high enough IQ to understand Rick and Morty. Your analogy is, like, spot on. Like, that's the type of person that this is, and this is totally, like, a teardown. Of that type of, of personality. Like, if you think you know everything to the point where you can rub it in everybody else's faces and you can't see your own flaws, then, like, Karnak is you. And the story, like, although you're not supposed to like Karnak, I don't think. I think yeah. your read on this, like, I'm on the same page as you. I wind up kind of liking the story because of how much it tears down Karnak. It's like, okay, cool, you know everything, you're so cool, you're so smart. Does that make you happy? And this, like in the story, the answer is no. Karnak's not happy. Karnak's a miserable sack of so-and-so. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and that's the thing. So I don't want to say, when I said I don't like Karnak, I really specifically want to mean, or I'm trying to say that I don't like Karnak the character, but I love the story. I don't like how it ends. I don't like how he kind of, destroys this kid's life two ways yeah um i mean granted one way you, you know you could say that maybe he could be manipulated or too much power corrupts and he'll do something evil later with his with this power that he has um mm-hmm. that kind of allows him to like talk to people and get their flaws and then kind of gets to give them the ability to be whatever they want to be as long as they believe in it something Kind of like that, mm-hmm. um, which is the exact opposite of Karnak's life, because he didn't, he has never gotten to choose anything about his life essentially. Um, so you know that enrages him, and so when he hits him the first time, he deactivates his power, and you're like, oh, okay, great, I guess he finished the mission, and now he gets to return this kid home to his parents, and you know he's in a way he's crippled, he's lost his power, he's lost an ability that he has. But at least, you know, he did the mission. But the fact that he's so angry and spiteful and kind of resentful to the world and this kid specifically 
that he hits him a second time and like turns the kid into like a human vegetable. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not like cool. And they kind of hate the fact that Karnak almost gets out of the scot free, except for the fact that he kind of has this huge like crisis of faith of himself and his beliefs and kind of what this this thing that he brainwashes himself to believe and and his followers. But I don't know that there's a follow-up series that changes his outlook or his his personality or anything. So that kind of leaves me a little unsatisfied in a sense. Yeah, like he does this atrocious thing and gets away with it, but he feels bad and that's his comeuppance. Right. It's not enough. I, I think if it wasn't for the ending, I would like this book a little bit more. But, I mean... I, I don't want to just harp on like the negative aspects because my goodness that art is fantastic. I I really liked it in spite of like you know I was like oh this is this is not somebody <laughs> I want to root for like yeah I want I want the mission to go well but I also ugh, you know this is this guy kind of is a jerk but would you guys like it more if this was like part one of like a three arc story where, of like you know redemption where he becomes like a better person and is not just I think like, I would. Or would that take away from from this, where we get a story that's different from, you know, what we normally read? You know, I like this story on its own, but I would not, I would absolutely not mind a second series where he has to, like, explore the Earth to really figure out what his conniption is. (laughs) You know, I actually think a follow-up series where Karnak, like, accepts Jesus or whatever wouldn't work. No, it would... Uh, He'd have to have to come to Jesus moment, but it couldn't be Jesus. <laughs> it, it, you know, I don't, I don't think he would roll that way. <laughs> I, I've talked about this before, but like superhero comics that explore like faith and religion are kind of my bag. I love those things. And that's the thing that I like about Karnak. Karnak is the man who rejects God, you know, um, but not necessarily, again, I, I don't want this to come across as me, like, vilifying all atheists. It's really funny that Karnak does not believe in God in a world that has, you know, literal gods all over the place. I was going to bring that up, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a thing. I was, I was going to say, how, how can you believe... It, granted, in actual 2019 United States... Um, I could totally accept that somebody believes that nothing we do makes a difference because that is very much an idea that kind of floats around nowadays. But I feel like in a world where you've had like groups of people literally change like universes and galaxies and the future and past to believe that like you're incapable of affecting anything in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of BS. (laughs) Especially if you're Karnak. Like, yeah. Karnak has superpowers. Like, I mean, he doesn't explicitly in the text, but he's basically, like, a more annoying internet troll version of Batman. You know? (laughs) Like, he could do anything. Really, he could. Um, And he chooses to use his powers to destroy people. Literally, that's what he does. Like, his payment for bringing this kid back to his parents is he wants the thing that is the most precious from them. And so to me, like, the thing that's interesting about Karnak is not necessarily that he is, like, this atheist analog, because I don't think that's particularly... I don't, I don't think that's it. What I think it is is Karnak is someone who lost faith, and as a result, doesn't want anybody else to have faith. And so he spends yeah. his time basically destroying other people's faith. And he finds... 
like he thinks it's fulfilling, he thinks it's satisfying, he thinks, or at the very least, he thinks it's it's the right thing to do. Like he genuinely believes that that's the right thing to do. But you can tell that this mission makes him miserable. And so it's kind of like the opposite of all of those stories that are about, you know, if you have hope, things matter. It's like nothing matters, so why bother hoping? And, and once you accept the truth that nothing matters, then you can accomplish something. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. that's a philosophy. This, this is a takedown of that philosophy. And that's interesting to me. You can't just, even if you're going to be, like, even if you don't believe in a higher power, you still need to have some sort of purpose in life. Because if you don't have a purpose other than destruction, you're Karnak. And sure, Karnak can beat up the guy who has the psychic shotgun or whatever, but at the end of the day, he's kind of a miserable cuss and nobody likes him, and if you're fine with that, then good for you, but just get get comfortable with the fact that everybody's going to hate you a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what this reminds me of a lot, now that I'm thinking about it? Continue, like, I mean, not just my Rick and Morty analog. <laughs> um, because what you were saying earlier, like, it's almost a quote from Rick and Morty where he says, you know, once... Once you realize that nothing matters, you can make the universe your your thing, and you soon find out that the universe isn't quite into that. Oh, but the thing the thing that I was actually thinking about is he reminds me of the first half of the story arc for Scar from Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, interesting. And I think that's why I'm left a little unsatisfied is because he doesn't have like that second arc. That uh-huh. Scar does like he like he's he's a destroyer. That's all he does. He deconstructs, he breaks apart, and he's had something big taken away from him, and now he feels like nobody else should have that. That's a um, very good comparison. Yeah, John, you need to watch this show so you understand how smart all. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, foam out of alchemist, and my brain went anime, er, and then just shut down. <laughs> I I do you like do you like Avatar, John? Last, Last Airbender, of course. I I have two I have two eyes and a heart, right? Yep. Yeah, to yeah. Watch Metal Brotherhood. It's yep. Should that be my yep. first anime, like real anime? Uh yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I don't need to like ease into it by like nope. rewatching anime. Nope. Like I don't have to go through Cowboy Bebop to understand it. Nope, nope, nope. Cowboy it's Bebop fun. could also be your first anime. That's yep. what I've heard. Full Metal Alchemist will uh, it'll scratch a lot of the same vibes that like uh the, like a- Avatar scratches mm-hmm. absolutely yeah uh but yeah anyways like any anything else about this book i just really liked it and now i want to read more warren ellis and uh so so yeah. the thing is like a lot of the warren ellis i've read has not been very philosophical um mm-hmm. but but it isn't that he's that it's like i've avoided it i just haven't read that like when we started reading this book i i was trying to think of what else i'd read from it from him specifically marvel related and I remembered that he's the guy who uh, who rewrote the Stony Stony Tony Arc's origin story. <laughs> Tony oh, Arc's origin. Tony Arc's yeah, so- origin storage. No. <laughs> Gosh, this is a hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he rewrote him uh, when they relaunched it, like in like right. I want to say right before they launched the Iron Man films. So he worked with Eddie Granoff. Uh, where they redesigned Iron Man and they re-engineered his backstory to include um, him going to Afghanistan instead of like wherever else he was kidnapped and stuff like that. Um, so that's him. So I'm just real fast flipping through his his bibliography on Wikipedia. Uh, he has written for Judge Dredd. He wrote some of the 2099 comics back when that was a thing. He wrote for Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. 
Warren Ellis is a pretty prolific writer. He does a lot of stuff all over the place. Yeah, I'm, I'm like flipping through this list is like, oh, there's so much stuff here. And I haven't read. Oh, my gosh. He wrote the Ultimate Galactus trilogy. Really? I've been I've been told some of his best stuff is kind of his independence, his independent writing. But I've never really delved into it. Oh, yeah. He also wrote Next Wave. Which I have read. Next Wave is pretty good. So he's he's got stuff that's kind of all over the place. Like, Ultimate Galactus is, is not great. Next Wave is pretty good. Uh, he wrote that Moon Knight series that I mentioned earlier, which is really good. He wrote this book, which I quite like. Uh, although I will give you the that ending bit is pretty tough. I don't think I've read any of his independent stuff, though. He's definitely now made the list of uh, you know people that I want to follow up on. No, he's definitely a name. And he's one to pay attention to. I just, I just don't know him that much. Uh-huh. The one of the books that constantly, and I, and I mean, like, like at least three or four times a year, I get told to read, and I don't, like, out of principle at this point, um, <laughs> is uh, is Transmet- Transmetropolitan. Uh, I've I've been told that that is absolutely like his best work has been Transmetropolitan. I think I've heard the words Rosetta Stone used in conjunction with Transmetropolitan. Like, if you want to know what Warren Ellis is about, you read Transmet. I've never read it. I've frankly never really been that curious about it even. But it exists. It It's out there. That's a good way to get to know the guy. Um, on this book alone, though, like, I actually do, like, I'm realizing the books that I have read, with the exception of Ultimate Galactus, I'm actually a fan of. So he's definitely someone I need to read more of. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Want to move on to our next book? <laughs> oh, yeah. John, did you have anything else on this one? No, I just... Now I... Like, it just hit all of the, like, things that I love about comics. And I wasn't expecting it. And I was like, oh, this is just going to be a chore. It's Inhumans. And then as soon as I saw the covers, I was like, David, aha, wait a minute. And <laughs> so uh, I want to find... I, I just like... You know, these, he's not really like a, he's not really like the normal, like street level hero or anything, but this was kind of like a, you know, simple mission, kind of a, kind of a, not really a detective story. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I liked it. It, it scratched the itch that I have for comics and it's, it's a really good story, um, about an awful character. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to lie. Like I, I would actually quite enjoy seeing this in kind of like a higher production. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe not a movie, but like. Like an HBO level quality show. The mini- Sim- they should bring back miniseries just so they can tell stories the right way without like needing to drag it out, you know? Yeah, because simply enough, like I would pay money just to watch that painting sequence. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I feel that would be like the standout moment of like the show. I think that's the episode that where people would be like, Did you watch that? Did you see what my eyes saw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it should be done very well. Agreed. All right. Well, from the sublime, let's go to the ridiculous. <laughs> let's, let's talk about some New Warriors. Yeah. So New Warriors is a comic uh, by Zeb Wells and Scotty Young about a group of kind of failed like minor league uh, superheroes who have mostly fallen on hard times or obscurity or, or you know, just kind of having a rough go who decide to team up again uh, or have been recruited to team up again by Night Thrasher um, to kind of become the new new warriors uh, but under the but under the condition that it's all filmed for television it becomes like a kind of like a cop style show 
featuring these heroes. And but instead of tackling like the big villains, you know, doing the big cosmic apocalyptic events, they're kind of way more street level and kind of are on a road show going to towns and cities and, and trying to help out the little people who just kinda of get ignored by the bigger heroes constantly away and busy with these intergalactic things. So for the most part the series plays through a very episodic uh, method with I think only a couple stories in these six issues that actually expand right. past the issues. And as we read the story, we kind of find out a lot more about our heroes that are involved, uh, which include like Speedball, Night Thrasher, Microbe, Namorita, and uh, Richard Ryder, Nova, and mm-hmm. later Debris. presenting Debris. Yeah. Uh, and so they kind of go. They kind of go to these towns. They kind of get involved in some pretty wacky situations, from talking uh, apes, as well as a, a kind of like a, a robotic town, and and then robo kind of, inventors. <laughs> yeah, robo inventors and philosophers and stuff like that. And the show kind of ends with their, or the the comic ends with their show kind of being put on a, on a hiatus, air quotes. But really, they've kind of been canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one also ends on a bit of a sour note for the team, but I think they most of them come out better people, even if their place in, in life isn't necessarily improved. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I, was, I was out for a summary. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny as heck, though. <laughs> yeah, this was a quite the, the funny little book. It's weird. I expected, especially with the way it was set up in the first three issues, I expected there to be more of a, like, solid through line you know yeah because they, mm-hmm. they've set up these secrets like night thrasher is keeping something secret from the team you've got the the like executives behind the scene the producers who seem like they might have some machinations going on and no there's like it, it it's kind of surprising because it ends without having really explored anything like in I think it's issue uh, three, we find out that Microbe is uh, Night Thrasher's adopted son, and that goes nowhere after that. Debris shows up, and I had to Google her just now to find out if she ever comes back, and she does. She sticks around for a little bit. Um, I don't. There's nothing on her Wikipedia page after Fear itself, so I don't know if she's been picked up at all since then. But, like, they, they bring up all of these kind of interesting ideas, and then they just leave them. And it's odd. Because I would have thought this would go somewhere, especially since it's a six-issue limited series. Like, from issue one, they kind of know that it's only going to be six issues. That's what I was looking up just now, just to make sure that the, this wasn't, like, canceled abruptly. And they just ended up at six, you know, like... Because that's what it feels like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which I suppose is thematically kind of appropriate. Like, how often do you get this weird, quirky little show that you kind of like, and then it gets canceled abruptly, and it ends on right. kind of a weird note? Right. Like, that's Pushing Daisies. That's my favorite television show. Oh, it's the best. It's so good. If you like Pushing Daisies, you should watch Full Metal Alchemist. They're nothing alike. Oh, <laughs> oh but it was. They both have Christian Chenoweth in them. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Who would Christian Chenoweth play... In Full Metal Alchemist. Also. Oh, uh, follow-up question. Does it matter <laughs> if she was just on the show, just waving at the camera at the start and at the close of every episode, that would be enough. <laughs> Definitely. And sing, sing, singing a little bit. Singing a little bit. 
I mean, if she's just saying like the intro, just the English versions of the intro songs, I think that'd be fine. Oh, that would be pretty good. Full metal, full metal, full metal alchemist, full metal, full metal. I, I don't. I've never watched the show. I just assume that's what it sounds like. You know, close enough. Nailed it, John. That's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Excellent. Uh so you so this this is I mean probably I don't think it's the same setup, but this is essentially the team that sets off civil war right oh yeah no this like, yeah like as far as i know the next time we see these characters is civil war yeah when they blow up the bus full of children well they're outside of the they're outside of a school the bus full of children is the new x-men dying that's a different issue that's a different okay previous uh, yeah cool so when the, so when they kill people um yep killing yep lots of people <laughs> stanford okay, connecticut cool. 612 people <laughs> yep Sorry, you know what really stinks about this? I, I, I just got to say this right now since we just mentioned Civil War. Microbe, the character, who, you know, he's the big kind of silly loser guy who talks to germs. He was created for this New Warriors series. After the series ends, the next time we see him is in Civil War, and then he dies, and he is hmm. never mentioned again. Is he, does he die in the event? Yeah. Yep. Well, he is with the New Warriors, when they attack those supervillains and Nitro blows up, Nitro kills all of the new warriors except for Speedball, who becomes Penance. Which, now that I've read a little bit more about Speedball, that change is even funnier slash worse. Yeah, can, can, can we talk about uh, why the heck does he get a special colored uh, uh, speech bubble? That was just distracting and goofy. What's the deal? I feel like that's supposed to be some sort of indication of his powers, because he's got, like... Kinetic energy absorption, sure. energy redirection, sorts of things. Sure. So maybe he's talking at a different frequency. I feel like if if you've read a lot of New Warriors, that probably makes sense. But since I haven't, it doesn't. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was just distracting. But that could have been just, just been me and the disconnect with the character. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like out of curiosity. I'm looking up the other New Warriors. Nemorita apparently does come back after Civil War. Yeah, it seems like she's kind of a through line. Because I, I, I also got a little curious, so I started like looking at... Wait, I thought Nemorita died uh, in Civil War. She did, but she oh, comes oh. back. Oh, oh you know, sorry. It's common. That, that, was, that was dumb to even suggest. Okay. <laughs> but, oh, also, does anybody know why she turned blue? No. Redesign or a, a revision? I'm looking it up right now to see. I mean, it's fine. Like, I think she was always blue. Not in no. not in the uh, early '90s. Like you go to her Wikipedia page, and the image of her is the cover of New Warrior '65, and she's blue. Dabba dee, dabba die. Look up Namorita in the Marvel Swimsuit Special number three. You'll see she's not blue. Oh jeez. Although I'm married. <laughs> All right, number Submariner number fifty. <laughs> she uh, so she's there. The Atlanteans are blue in Civil War when they come out to fight, except for you know, Namor. Um, and she's supposed to be related to Namor. And in the like, the first comic I ever read was one where like the New Warriors and Spider Man team up, right? And and she's in it. Um, and she was just like pixie cut blonde um and white with with the little wings on her feet and like a nothing bikini so i don't know what to tell you um well they call it out in this story but they don't really explain it so i don't know what the deal is hmm. yeah i mean not that it matters or is pertinent to our viewers but i just found a marvel trading card series three with name marita where she is not blue wait a minute um <laughs> i might have had that card hold on name marita she had 
Nimmerly had the ability to change her skin color as camouflage, so maybe that's how they explained it. Like, it was her power. She just spent the early 90s white. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had this card. I forgot. I was going to say, of all the people, like, you had the cards. That's the set I had. She did have, um, like, a on-again, off-again relationship with Nova, and so she, like, and as part of that, like, she did her skin changed at some point. Mm-hmm. This this is weird. So this was an interesting book. Um, it Yeah, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it, but it was also, like, I, I like Scotty Young. This is definitely early work. Like, this is one of the first big things that he had you know what the funny thing about this is is i i purposely read this one second because i kind of got the the vibe that yeah karnak was gonna bum me out (laughs) (laughs) and this just didn't do enough it still left me unsatisfied even after reading it after karnak (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's it's funny it's charming um but it's fairly inconsequential yeah yeah yeah. There's no major character development, or with the exception of microbes, microbes reveal. There's really not a whole lot here that's like, wow, amazing. I'm happy. I I I learned this about these characters. How do you feel like, about uh, reality TV, Aldo? I mean, it's fine. <laughs> See, because I do not like reality TV a- at all, unless it's like a competition cooking show. Uh, uh, nope. Like, I do not, I, do not I like mean, it. I mean, I still watch Pawn Stars. Yeah, see, I've never, I've never gotten into that. So I thought, I thought part of, I was trying to, like, think if part of my reluctance to read this series or to, like, really get into this one this time was because I don't like reality TV and they are, you know, that's what they are in this series and that's kind of what they're going for and you have, like, the, you know behind the scenes kind of producers and cameramen like a, you know part of the mix mm-hmm. there I, I i couldn't tell if that was like i i kind of i like that um mostly because i, I like the whole idea of of them kind of being here's and here's the thing i, th- I think this part where it left me unsatisfied was because i like the idea of like a team kind of being crippled not by laws not by physics or gods but by tv executives That's, and that, that didn't good. really go anywhere yeah you know you know what handles that same topic? Anime. <laughs> no, there's an anime called Tiger and Bunny. Yeah. Which is um, all about Japan's take on American-style superheroes, but the superheroes all have sponsors, they all have, like, network executives that kind of meddle in what they do, and it's, like, about these heroes that are trying to balance, like, satisfying the system and saving people. And if you can get past the really awful CG... It's actually a pretty decent show. Is this the Superhuman Registration Podcast or the Trick John into Getting into Anime Podcast? Because you two are conspiring against me. I can feel a it. A bit of column A, a little bit of column A. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm thinking of that Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen gif. Why not both? <laughs> that's not Mary-Kate and Ashley. No. Actually. Isn't it? That's that's the little Tostadas girl. Yeah. Oh, it is the little Tostadas. You're Por right. Por que no los dos? You are right. Don't you don't you whitewash my Pokemon? <laughs> I apologize for my cultural appropriation of a. We have four good memes, Steven. Don't take them away from us. <laughs> what are the What are the other ones? I don't remember. Dos ex, dos <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah. So like, I, like you know, I think that's the problem with this particular like run or this you know this story. 
is that there's a lot of stuff here that's kind of set up to be really good or interesting or, or you know just involved and it just never really does anything with it i would say maybe they set it up to like pick up later on where someone else could like jump back into this book and like you know oh new warriors and like test out a new talent with it but then with with you know the events of civil war it kind of it's not really possible in the same way and there's a whole different team now so it's you know it's tricky mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i don't know i did de- I don't know. I think you're right. This feels like this was a, a series designed to try out the talent, not necessarily the characters. Yeah. Like like you say, it's Scotty Young. I like Scotty Young. I'm here for Scotty Young. Yeah. Even early Scotty Young is still fun. Yeah. It's not as fun as what we would see in the future. Right. Um, and I, I'm not actually sure if this comes before or after his work on the uh, Oz series. of Before. Things before is this before okay yeah yeah because the oz stuff is so good yeah i love that oz stuff love it well i think we had scotty young when we did a babies versus versus x babies Babies. actually no he just did the cover for that and that's right that was guri hero yeah Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you're right you're right you're right but that cover is really good still yeah every time there's a scotty young cover it's and these and these covers are great too john you know what i you know what i should give you when i get the chance hmm is uh, I have a print, like a little comic book size print of, uh, and I think I still have it somewhere, but it's, it's, it's a Scotty Young art print and it's like little Mary Jane Ooh. and like Spider-Man kind of coming down and giving her a flower. Like Aww. they're like five-year-olds. That's awesome. That sounds adorable. That is uh, awesome. I need to, I need to find that print and I'll, I'll get it to you. Assuming it's the one I, I'm thinking of, or it might be a Star Wars one. Either way, I don't think you would <laughs> hate them. <laughs> no, I've I've slowly been like putting up things in my daughter's room that are like like my wife agreed to a, a Ray poster in my daughter's room and I'm just like, "Yes, one little girl hero at a time and we'll get her into the same thing I'm getting into, you know." Are you happy there's like a bigger cast oh, of heck like, yeah. female characters oh, for her heck to be into? Yeah. You know, it's not just princesses. Now, she likes the princesses most, but I also, you know, I have other things in there. So, like, she's got a little Wonder Woman. There's nothing wrong with princesses. No, but, like... (laughs) Wait, you're being facetious. Not even a little. Oh, I thought, well... Dude, I I love princesses. My favorite Disney character is Elsa. Mine's Rapunzel. We'll have to fight about that offline. And I think... (laughs) I I love Tangled, but I think Moana is the better film. Um, Mm-hmm. I think I would. Opinion. I think that it's, but it's like you know millimeters separating you know first from second place there, or seconds or is it a race? Is it a, is it a measuring? I don't know. They're very close, first and second. Moana and Tangled, because uh, Moana does something different. Tangled does a, a pr- classic Disney princess story better than any other classic Disney princess story. Also, friggin' Belle. Let's just sorry. Side note here. Who complains? <laughs> Who complains about getting to live in provincial France? Like, come on. Like, you're ragging on the baker? Like, have you had French bread? Good gracious. Maybe it's just the keto talking, but I'm going to cry thinking about it. Oh. (laughs) Complaining about a provincial life? Good. People retire there, lady. Man. (laughs) Hey, guys. Yes. We've been talking about this New Warriors comic and tangentially a bunch of other things for a little bit. We have not yet mentioned that Nova gets psychoanalyzed by a robot version of Sigmund Freud, and it makes him cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked the uh, invention off between Night Thrasher and Da Vinci. That was pretty rad. I, I really liked uh, Namorita's 
a whole ordeal with uh oh what was her name it's Virginia Woolf. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I was going to say Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That would have been something else. Oh, I know. I I love that so much. That was one of my favorite things. I love that, like, once every, all the other robots had kind of been defeated, she's just like, I'll just Terminator myself and, like, walk into the lava. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of unfortunate, actually. Um, like... I know that it, it's supposed to be funny. Um, it's kind of not, though. Yeah, because also Namorita comes out really kind of affected by that. Oh, yeah. Um, like, a little more so than, like, everybody else. Maybe not as much as Richard Ryder, but... <laughs> the problem is uh, Virginia Woolf, like, uh, attempted suicide a whole bunch Oh. in her life. And so, like, it really feels like it's making fun of uh, something that's really serious. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think she actually like died by suicide. Well, you did she jump into my a volcano? Joke out of this run, <laughs> she did not jump into a volcano. No. Okay, because that would be a really, really insensitive Bad taste. to all volcano yeah. deaths. You know. No, what she did is she filled her pockets full of rocks and walked into the water and drowned herself oh geez oh so this is how she dies in this story man i am uh oof boy is boy is my face red Ooh. (laughs) well no like that's my problem with the story it's played for comedy like aldo got the joke it was supposed to be funny but he didn't know that it's also like kind of horrifying at the same time uh you've ruined though like one of the three jokes i liked in this book (laughs) (laughs) and now you're starting to come around to where i am with this book like i wanted to like it and i kind of didn't yeah i mean luckily i don't think you can ruin the other two jokes i liked quite a bit (laughs) well let's find out how they're secretly racist (laughs) (laughs) all the (laughs) <laughs> Although there's there you know, there's still hope if you like this kind of joke maybe maybe with a bit more time between the incident and the joke referring to it have you seen the movie uh, Real Genius with Val Kilmer No, I've not. It's a movie about a kid who goes to a genius college, meets Val Kilmer, who's a senior, and they work together to build a laser because it's the '80s and they're trying to win the Cold War with a space laser and yeah. They just mm-hmm. think they're building a laser. The professor is secretly working with a defense company that's going to use it for like secret assassinations and stuff. Oh. It's a comedy. It's very funny. It's worth <laughs> seeing. The point is, uh, Val Kilmer's sitting there kind of like after something bad has happened and he's just kind of sad. And then his buddy comes up to him. And he's like, hey, what are you thinking about? And he's like, I'm contemplating the last words of Socrates who said, I drank what? <laughs> oh see steven's laughing at it now yeah when it's a couple of uh, millennia separating the incident from the joke it's okay but when it's only decades oh i see okay all right well like uh, I, don't, I don't think we really want to start measuring the difference in these jokes here i don't know like yeah this is definitely not the place to workshop how to turn suicide into a funny bit oh geez yeah <laughs> I mean, that's more for Deadpool. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, but even Deadpool didn't turn it into a joke, though, which is one of the things that I respected about that book. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what I respect about this this book, though? Hmm. is the monkey issue. Well, who doesn't love a good monkey issue? Wait, I don't. <laughs> Are you serious? I, no, it was just... No, I just... It, 
I hate animal movies like Air uh-huh. Bud or Space Buddies or, <laughs> well, okay, like Homeward Bound at the time, you know. But like <laughs> between Homeward Bound 1 and Homeward Bound 2, I like became more of like a big kid. And so Homeward Bound 2 came out and I was like, yeah, this is dumb. Um, but no, I can't go back and watch it. So, like, when it was all monkeys, uh, though they're they're well-drawn, I was kind of rolling my eyes, but, you know. I It wasn't necessarily, like, the monkey things. Like, there's two jokes in that that I like. I like the, the, the Spoda or Arpita stand-in. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really like, like, this is, again, that thing I was kind of hoping there'd be more of, is I love mm-hmm. the limitations that she puts on the team, which quickly, like, are ignored. And I also like the, uh, the, the, the whole bit with, like, Speedball. Where he's talking to the uh, to the baboon and the gorilla. Oh my gosh, that bit was really good. Yeah, yeah. I, t- I take it back. Monkeys are okay. This was really funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, well, baboons, baboon, gorilla, are you insane? Well, maybe one-on-one, but at a pack of us? Are you kidding me? Never happened. Even if you have to give it to us <laughs> with a pack, you're insane. Fine, but let's take powers into account. And then, yeah, that was yeah. that was clever. Yeah, no, that was wonderful. I like that quite a bit. Anytime a character in any any media can Bugs Bunny their way out of a situation, like you see that with Jack Sparrow too. I love that where it's just like yeah, rabbit season, well, like, duck season. <laughs> and I love it because they way like leaned into the Bugs Bunny thing because like, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, I'm not looking at the issue, but like right after they start fighting, it does like a close up on Speedball and he's just like super yep. smug and proud yep. of himself. He's grinning. He's got that ain't I a stinker expression on his Bingo. face. Bingo. Yep. <laughs> It's yeah, fantastic. Great. I like that. So, like, this is the thing that kind of... It doesn't really bug me, I guess, but... It, okay, I guess it kind of does. Like, which characters get the big, cool superhero moments? Not just, like, they punch things good, but, like, we actually root for them. Speedball gets a couple of decent moments. Debris gets one. Yeah. Microbe actually gets a few. But, like, I don't think Nova really gets a good, like go hero moment which is funny because we just read that nova book last month and this version of nova just doesn't strike me as being terribly good at being a superhero yeah like he's they they really play him to that joke of like he's a retired high school football player who like never made it big after that Mm -hmm. um and i think they leaned into that joke a little too much and I, he doesn't really get a really good standout moment other than when he cries and then gets a, gets arrested for prostitution. Oh, jeez. I forgot about that. <laughs> I think it's because he's like the stereotypical superhero in this group. You look at the rest of them and they're just all little, like, off. They don't quite fit in that mold. But, like, he's, you know, he's strong, he's fast, he flies, he's got the suit, he's, you know, in shape. And then you look at, you know, scrawny little speedball, microbe is a big dude. Namorita is blue and, like, I can't, she just, she's just, like, Atlantean, right? Like, she's got super, yep. super strength, she can fly and, and communicate with sea creatures. Apparently, I didn't know that was one of her powers. Night Thrasher is Batman, on that. right? I don't think that was a real power. That was just BS? Yeah, that was BS because then she talks to that walrus who totally, like, uh, well, the walrus tricked, like, tricked her, so like she could communicate, right? Like not control. Well, because she couldn't communicate because she just screamed at its face. <laughs> but she said like, "Oh, this is here. Let me go back. Let me go back." I really don't think <laughs> she actually can speak to animals. I yeah, I I thought that was a a bluff. Like yeah. it was meant to be an Aquaman riff or something. Yeah, that's how uh. I that's how I read it. Because I'm also looking at her. Well, she named it. She gave him a name to Blick. But Blanc, 
but lucky, or but lucky or something. Yeah. Okay. So I remember being confused by this. Okay. I'm okay. Back on Wikipedia, Namorta's superpowers: aquatic adaptation, superhuman strength, agility, reflexes, and durability. High speed swimming, ankle wing granted flight, paralyzing acidic touch can become transparent. Nothing about talking to the fishies. Must just be a joke about Aquaman. I think it was yep. just an Aquaman joke. Um, so here's the thing about this book, which, like, issue two is a lot of fun. I actually wound up really enjoying issue three more than I expected to, despite the Nova getting arrested for soliciting a prostitute. Sure, bit. sure. Um, <laughs> Such a this dumb joke. joke <laughs> is like, okay, the joke is, here are superheroes that are kind of, like... <sighs> This book kind of hates itself, you know? These characters have a lot of self-loathing. The New Warriors are a joke. Uh, they're, they're, the wor- they're a worse superhero team than the Great Lake Avengers, which is the actual joke team. Yeah. I feel like this exact joke gets played the next year. This book came out in 2005. 2006 sees the start of Next Wave, which I mentioned earlier, like the Warren Ellis book. Next Wave does this same joke. It's not a reality show, but otherwise you've got the superhero who used to be in the big leagues and is now kind of like basking in former glory. It's, it's Monica Rambeau, who used to be Captain Marvel and lead the Avengers, and now she's on this team. You've got like the, the wash-up drunk in Machine Man. Like You've got a lot of the same story beats and a lot of the same characters, but the joke's funnier. Like it just like Next Wave works way better than this book does. Hmm. Um, and it also kind of made me think of Superior Foes of Spider-Man. In the, you know, it's got a similar tone where you've got this group of characters, superpowered beings that don't really work together all that well and they're kind of screw-ups. Superior Foes does the same joke and, again, kind of tells it better. So I feel like New Warriors, it's good for what it is, except for the Virginia Wolf bit, which yikes. <laughs> but other things do it better. Like, that's, that's where I came away from the series thinking. Like, everything mm. about it is better. I think Zeb Wells, I, I, like, he's done some of the Spider-Man stuff. He was writing Spider-Man during uh, Brand New Day. Like, Zeb Wells gets better. Scotty Young gets better. We've read better Nova stories than this. Like, Night Thrasher strikes me as an interesting character. This story does, like, almost nothing for him. Yeah, he's just kind of Marvel Batman. Hey, the, the, no, Marvel Batman's pretty cool. As a concept, I'm okay with Marvel Batman. I thought that was Moon Knight. I mean, that's a lot of Marvel Batmans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I mean, wouldn't you remake Batman every chance you got if you didn't actually have Batman? Yeah. Yep. Until if Batman one does stuck. not exist, we must create him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's, uh, it was okay. It just felt very, eh. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's some good bits. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some good bits in it, but, like, as I think as a, as a whole product... I, I would say, yeah, I'd say it wasn't bad, but, you know, it, I like... I mean, we've read worse. There's... There's... <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it didn't take itself too seriously, and so I didn't feel the need to take it too seriously, so there might have been a line where they could have been, like, joking, but also, like, still delivered, you know, like, a serious storyline in it, you know. But, overall, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, like, it, it's fine. I definitely, I actually would just straight up recommend issues two and maybe three, but definitely mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's a fun, goofy little story. I honestly feel like just one character arc, like just one character having an arc where they grow and change a little bit, would have elevated this book quite a bit. Yep. I think if Speedball had changed by the end of this book, I think if if Nova had changed or, or just one character had changed... 
at the end of this book, it would have been it would have been better. Yeah. Yep. The closest we get is Microbe, and Microbe never appears again, really. It's like he dies that one time. Speedball changes pretty soon hereafter. I cannot believe. I'm sorry. How does this guy turn into penance? Like, how does that happen? I Well, he puts on a different suit, and uh, <laughs> all of his powers come from spikes being stuck into him. Uh, he has, like, 612, I think, you know, representing a victim of the attack. And uh, you meant thematically and... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I've been doing some, some Googling here. I remember... I, I've heard about this scene. I didn't know it existed, but I, I Googled it and now I can say it exists. There is a scene... So Speedball and Squirrel Girl date sometime in, in the Marvel Comics canon. And so they have a scene together... After Speedball becomes Penance, and Penance like is talking all about how he like made a mistake and so many people died, and Squirrel Girl's like, that's silly, this sort of thing happens to superheroes all the time, and and nobody ever really punishes themselves in those circumstances. What are you doing? And then there's this panel where Penance is smashing his head into the wall. He's like, You just don't get it, do you? This self-punishment thing, it's too deep for you. I'm deep now. See? <laughs> wow. It's, it's, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't get penance at all, guys. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I do. He's, he's kind of an extreme of one end to another. You know, somebody who's constantly playing the Joker suddenly has to go over the top to be the punished guy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh it's 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 not a great change. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it's, I mean I'm just saying I that's probably the route I would have taken as a writer. I mean, maybe when you were 16. I mean, I, did I ever stop being 16, Stephen? <laughs> I haven't. Wait, my voice changed earlier than that. I I haven't. I haven't. You gotta, you gotta. My mom needs to take me over to your house so I can drop <laughs> off that print. Uh, I'd be home before eight, though. <laughs> it is a school night after all. <laughs> Anyways, where, do, where? Here's a question: Where do these comics rank? What a wonderful segue! I think, I think it's a crowbar more than a segue at that point. <laughs> Is this is this the first time we've ranked something since Maximum Carnage? Yes. Yeah. No, it can't be because Maximum Carnage is is lower on the list now. Oh no no we Nova. did um I want to say Nova. Oh yeah, it was Nova. Okay. Right. Beta Ray Bell. Right. Okay. So currently on our list we have fifty two stories. Bottom of the list is Spider Man One More Day. Top of the list is Ms. Marvel No Normal. So let's let's start with Karnak. My vote is. Um, 14. Right oh, below wow. right below Runaways, right above In Pursuit of Flight. I like it better than In Pursuit of Flight, but Runaways, I, I, I can't. It's it's a bigger story. There's more done in it. Um, yeah. This, this you, like, yeah. You ranked it a tad bit higher than I was going to aim for. Well, I, I had to shoot high because I knew that <laughs> democracy would drag it down lower than it should be put, but... Well, I mean, I was only gonna say like built like above or below squirrel power. I would um, say above squirrel power, but you know, yeah. My my gut impulse, my the first comic I was looking at was actually number twelve, Last Days of Magic. But then I'm like, no, it's got that downer of an ending, so it's not that good. It's not as good as Runaways. In Pursuit of Flight, I mean, I like the subject matter of 
of Karnak better. Because again, we're, we got superheroes dealing with religion. That's my jam. But In Pursuit of Flight, I think, is a better story. And as good as the art in Karnak is, In Pursuit of Flight has similar art. And then it gets to Beta Ray Bill, and this book's not as good as Walt Simonson. Yeah. And so, yeah, I actually wind up kind of in the same area Aldo's looking, just, just by process of elimination. <sighs> um, I don't know. Like, my first impulse was to compare it to the stuff that we have, like, at number 12. It, I think it's very comparable to The Last Days of Magic in, in Pursuit of Flight. I just, at the end of the day, I think I would rather read those because they're fun. Right. And Karnak is not fun. It's good. <laughs> And it's you a heavy should read, read it, yeah. but it's not fun. You should read it, and then you should go out in the sunshine and lie down in a stream of puppies and let it rain ice cream and, and chocolate sprinkles on your face. Wait, no, chocolate sprinkles with the puppy metaphor, really, that, no, creates a bad sort of... Why do you want to kill the puppies? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't want to clean up that mess. That's a lot of yeah. doggy poo-poo. Then, then... Then I would put it just under Beta Ray Bill then, because that I think I like that better. Um, as far as like it's a classic story, there's some great art in it. It's a bit more cheerful. I just have a hard time putting a lot of stuff above Neverending Struggle. That's a one-off. It's cheating. It's like the Simpsons <laughs> Halloween episodes that are funnier than regular episodes because they're all about the joke, 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 and they, they you know, like they don't I have know, to tell a like, story. But like. Never Ending Struggle actually really nails the ending. <laughs> it does nail the ending. It really does. Uh, if you had said anything else in its defense, although I think I would have agreed with John. And I still might agree with John, but you're right. Never Ending Struggle really nails that ending. Um, I don't know. No, I. you know what? I think it goes at 16. Like, I think Karnak is a better crafted story overall than The NeverEnding Struggle. As good as The NeverEnding Struggle is, and as much as it really does stick that landing, I think Karnak's a little bit better. Okay. I'll, I'll accept this defeat. <laughs> How do you like that, John? The tie came down on your side-ish. I'm not going to gloat in victory because re-election's up in two years, and I have to be careful. <laughs> about that, so. Uh, so, okay, that's number 16 on our list. Karnak by Warren Ellis and a slew of very talented... Artists like we we talked about the art throughout that book. I do think it's consistently really good, and I don't yeah. know who any of those artists are. I I kind of want to look them up and see what the rest of their work is. But anyway, yeah, Karnak, decent story. It's pretty good. Uh, New Warriors. Although I see your cursors dropped to the bottom. <laughs> oh no no, I'm, just, I'm getting it out of the way. I'm on an empty field. Yeah. Um, but if you are inquiring. Um, <laughs> I mean, that uh, is what we're doing here. <laughs> I would put this around the Ghost Rider Christmas special. Wow. <laughs> really? Like, no, I'm kind of in the same boat as Aldo. I, like, this story's not that good. It's fine. It's about... It's about... the. This, I have, like, about the same feelings I have for this as I had for Christmas special and Ride the Pain Train. The pain Train is not that good. I think it might... <laughs> I think New Warriors might actually be a little better than both of those. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. What number are we, um, what number is so that? So this is, this is actually putting us around number 40. Okay. Yeah, I'm around the 40s on this one. Mm-hmm. Ah, there it is, okay. I mean, as much as I didn't like Exiles, I don't know that I would say this is... Actually, you know what, I was about to finish that sentence, and I think this is better than Exiles. See, I think uh, Exiles is better, but it's, it's comparable, like it's an odd team. Mm-hmm. And everything, but it's a fairly inconsequential story. Like I not think... a lot of <laughs> mm-hmm. major development happens. 
Exiles A World Apart has better fan service. Like, in the sense that it's about, you know, it's a celebration of Marvel Comics for the fans. Like, you have all of the, like, that ridiculous fight with Galactus. That's fun. Um, and that's kind of the note that it ends on. Well, I guess it ends with, uh, I think it's Thunderstar, like, dies and gets left behind or something like that. So it does end on kind of a sour note. And they get a new team member. Hi, I'm your new team member. Let's go. And they get blasted away. And it's like, yep. okay, worst introduction I mean, of a character And, you know, ever. we also... Didn't really talk about the ending on New Warriors, where, like, Night Thrasher kind of, with the whole cancellation, everybody goes their own separate ways. And then he has to deal with this gigantic loss of money. Like, he goes bankrupt, essentially. Yeah, he basically loses yeah. control of his company. Yeah. yeah. And that's how the story ends. It's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, now, this goes, to me, this goes somewhere between Ride the Pain Train and the Exiles of World Apart. Um... I'm not sure, like, I think I would put it at number 40 between Ride the Pain Train and Spider-Man versus Natman and Rotten. And I know just by highlighting that's what's there, you guys are going to recommend it goes higher than that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the thing is, I really can't put them, I mean, I would put it right above Spider-Man and Natman. I would put it right above Maximum Carnage, I think. I don't know. You know, I'd be fine with 40, in all honesty. (laughs) Ugh. I mean, it's at the point. I mean, granted, it, I I think it's it goes at the above, point. I think I'm surprised Spidey Man. Like Spidey, it's almost unrankable because it's a parody. It's just so odd. But <sighs> Spidey Man is where it is because I think the art gags are really funny. Marie Severin needs respect. Yes, yes. Yeah, like, but I mean, that's the reason it is where it is is because I like the art a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it has a really a lot of good stuff hidden in the back, and this is not. Scotty Young's best work. Okay, if we put it, it, it if we put it above the Ride the Pain Train, then I'm I'm okay. It okay. will, yeah. I do think it's it's slightly better than Ride the Pain Train. Well, don't. I don't think it's better. I think we should rank it above Ride the Pain Train. I liked Ride the Pain Train. <laughs> that was a roller so coaster of emotions, Stephen. I'm putting it. I'm putting it. It's gonna ride the rain, the Pain Train. <laughs> All right. So, New Warriors 2005 goes in at number forty. And where can listeners of this podcast see our full list, Stephen? Ah, yes. The full list is available for your perusal at superhumanregistrationpodcast.com. At that website, you can also submit story suggestions. If you have ideas for stories that you want us to read from Marvel Comics, submit them through the web form there. We just ask that it be something that's available on Marvel Unlimited so that both we and our listeners have easy access to the story. Otherwise, anything's fair game. Unfortunately, that means no, none, none of that Spider-Man trouble. Yeah, seriously, no, <laughs> no Spider-Man trouble. Come on, Marvel Unlimited. That legitimately makes me sad every time I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, the only reason I would want to read it is to put it at the bottom of the list. Like, there are some yes. really, really famously bad stories I, that I just want you guys to feel the same pain I felt once. <laughs> <laughs> what is misery, love? Ah, yes, that's right, that's right. Trouble. No, company. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> what is that? There's that comic Marvel, or M- Marvel, that's like... The Avenger? Supposed... He's a Cree? No. M-A-R-V-I-L-L-E, I think is what it's, it's how it's spelled. It's supposed to be like one of the worst comics. Like Marvel? Like, small, like Smallville? Marvel? 
Yes. Yeah. I see the cover. I can. Oh see yeah, you do a Google terrible. image search for for Marvel, and you will not want to read this story. But it's like legendarily bad. Oh, I think at some point we should just read Marvel and Trouble, regardless of whether or not they're on the app. We have to find them. I guess that's that's uh, maybe our, our two-year anniversary. Yes. <laughs> this sounds like one of those bad things that you do that hurts you. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a 3 a.m. taco decision. I don't think we should do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so because we're recording so far ahead of time, I don't think we have any relevant back matter that we can talk about. Um, we could actually talk about how good Endgame was. Again. Um, cause it's, you know, it did the same thing it did last weekend and made another billion dollars. So yep. that's yeah, red. That almost at 2 billion. It's, it's gonna, no, it's well, over. No, it's past 2 billion. Yeah. It's almost passing Avatar. Yeah. Yep. Which, Which I'm oh, okay with. I'm so okay with, you know. I don't, I it still baffles my mind how much that movie. You know what it I, is? You know what it is? I bet that the dialogue got much better in foreign languages and it looked so good that they like, you know, maybe they got a better plot. Maybe they were able to tell a whole different story and just dub over the, you know, rehash of Dances with Wolves and Fern Gully and uh, Pocahontas and, you know, fill in the blank of your your, you know, favorite story they ripped off for uh, Avatar. You know. Also, Sam Worthington. How did he get so much work in that narrow gap of like five <laughs> years? Like, he was not that good, but like he was in this. He was in Terminator. He was in something else that I've just forgotten. Like, dude was in a lot of stuff there for a while, and then like I don't know where he went. Uh, oh, Stephen. Before we move on to back matter, uh, what are we reading next time? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So next time. We are recording a couple of episodes ahead of time in anticipation of John going on paternity leave. So, the next episode that goes up after this one will go up the week that Dark Phoenix opens in the theaters. I don't know if you guys are actually planning on watching the movie. Yeah, eventually, you know. I don't want to because, like, as good as Days of Future Past was, Apocalypse was not good at all. It was like a return. It's going to be like... I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to go, no, this doesn't work in a post-Avengers, you know, endgame universe. Like, this is the old way to do superhero movies, and it's boring, and I'm, I don't care anymore. That's what's going to happen. I think, I think my problem is we have such a great cast, and they're just kind of wasted on mediocre X-Men movies. Also yep. true. Also true. Like, yep. James McAvoy could do literally anything, and I'd go see the Michael movie. Michael Fassbender but, uh, yeah. is absolutely wasted, and he's the best part of most of these movies. Yeah. Somebody said, like, the best, the, it would have been cool to just have him, because it was originally going to be, like, an X-Men Origins Magneto movie, and that would have been great if it was just, you know, um, you know Eric Lyncher, Nazi Hunter. That would have been fantastic. And we got a little bit of that in first class, and then... Not gonna lie, I'm the guy who likes Apocalypse better than Days of Future Past. You're also the guy that's wrong. Yeah. Mm, Two out of three uh, panelists agree Steven is wrong. You guys haven't read my dissertation (laughs) on on why uh, Days of Future Past is actually a bad movie. (laughs) It's on my MySpace page. (laughs) (laughs) We're not talking about any of that. We are going to read Dark Phoenix. So that's Uncanny X-Men numbers 129 through 137. I should say uh, Uncanny X-Men volume 1 because, you know, there have been a lot of Uncanny X-Men this is, series This, this is, point. yeah, this is like continuing the original, like, yeah. Chris Claremont, everybody. We need more Chris Claremont. The, the real MVP. Yeah. 
<laughs> Don't yeah. really me. Um, we want to do two stories. We anticipate having a pretty lengthy conversation about Dark Phoenix Saga. So we're going to follow that up with just a single issue story. It's a what if one shot from 2018 sticking with kind of an X-Men theme. What if magic became Sorcerer Supreme? So we'll just have a, a little like tag at the end of the Dark Phoenix Saga and then we'll... Uh, uh, like I say, I anticipate we're going to have a lot to say about Dark Phoenix. It's it's actually had academic papers written about it, so yeah, there's really? a lot to say. Oh yeah, there's there's a whole lot to say about like uh, feminism and sexual identity and repression and like there's a, there's a lot to say about. It. I'm not sure that we're the people to say that necessarily, but it's there. We can at least point people uh, in the direction of you know more qualified people who have said things about you know. I mean, I think we're just going to come in and say whether or not the fight punching is any good. I mean, I'm a cisgendered straight man. I have opinions about feminism. <laughs> I mean, yes, you're allowed <laughs> to have opinions. Oh, oh, are we? Because I, I was told that I could not speak. No, my opinions are the most. <laughs> my opinions are the most right. Oh gosh, That's you should right you should opinions. mansplain that to someone, Aldo. <laughs> All right, well, we'll do it next time on this <laughs> on the Aldo mansplains feminism. Podcast. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! That's we haven't even I... started recording, and we've got the episode title. <laughs> Gosh, Aldo, you're like on a on a terrible track right now. But you know what our <laughs> listeners are on? What? I, I know what he's on. Our doing. list. There it is. Oh!